Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for clicking through to this podcast. Um, We're excited about what we're offering on this episode. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about the book of Genesis and the things that uh, may or may not be covered on Sunday mornings. It's a much bigger book than we ever have time to cover. Uh, But I'm excited because we have joining us today, uh, Pastor Adam, who's our Connections Pastor. And uh, you can say hello, Adam. Hey, how you doing? Oh, that was you're supposed to say hello, Adam. Hello, Adam. (laughs) And uh, we also have joining us uh, Pastor Nate, who is our youth pastor. Present. Very good. That sounded like a good school call out there. That was that was nice checking the role. Um, so want to talk a little bit about Genesis and let the people who are listening have an opportunity to hear kind of some of the hallway discussions that we have sometimes when we're talking about the book of Genesis. Uh, the um, A lot of times it's, uh, hey, Pastor Daniel, did you think about this or did you think about that or did you also know this? And then it gets into a discussion about all the things that Genesis brings to the table for us as believers. And uh, it's been pretty enriching. I know that when I first thought about going into Genesis and felt that God was leading our church into the book of Genesis, I was thinking in my mind, oh, the book of Genesis, it's got 50 chapters in it. Um, You know, a high level overview of it will be really good for the church to be a part of. I can think of some good messages out of there. And I was thinking from like August to Thanksgiving and we would be done. And then when Thanksgiving hit, I think, I don't know if, I don't know if y'all remember, I in the back of my head, I'm thinking when Thanksgiving hit, we were on maybe like chapter seven or something. Probably somewhere around there. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, so now the jokes around the staff meetings are Genesis for Eternity. I think that'd be a good t-shirt, Genesis for Eternity. I don't think anybody remembers, but I, I did the first week of Genesis. I've been on staff three years. I think it was my first Sunday here. The first week of Genesis, and then um, here we are. We're not even halfway through, folks. <laughs> so we we were having a good time with it. God has really, uh, you know, opened up. I think where we go on it. Um, I love expository preaching. It takes us through line by line. I think some of the things that's really been amazing to me is the timing of how things have shaken out. The particular chapter and sometimes half a chapter <laughs> that we're on for that particular Sunday and how it it just lines up with what we're facing in today's world uh, has been just, I don't know, uncanny to me. I just, I, I'm reading it. There's been several weeks where I'm, I'm preparing for a message and I'm thinking to myself, you know, how's this going to relate? And then something breaks and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that that's how, that's why God has us here at this point. Try to bring that some out in the messages, but I don't always get to bring it all out in the messages of how God's. I've learned an incredible amount for my own walk in studying the book of Genesis. And one of my desires when we're doing the type of preaching that we're doing book by book is that people fall in love with the message of God. And uh, I, I try to take some of the, some of the, the bite out of people thinking that it's too deep for just anybody to get in and read and learn about that. It's, it's accessible for everyone who's walking with, with Christ to get into it and everything. So as I'm learning uh, some of the things that I share in my messages, I just learned in that preparation for that. Some of it's a reminder to me. Um, and then God puts always puts a, a unique spin on it for me, but 
the reason I wanted you guys to come into the episode was some of the discussions we have about what Genesis does for the rest of the book. You know, Genesis Revelation points to the gospel. It always has it and it always will. Um, but there are other things that pop out in the story. Um, and, you know, I don't really have a roadmap of where we're going today. I kind of want to open it up for you guys to kind of speak into the book of Genesis. I mean, we could maybe take it back at creation of how that plays into um, just the rest of the story and and how uh, I think it wasn't too long ago that I learned that the full gospel of Jesus Christ starts at creation. I had always thought that the full gospel was the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, didn't ever think about the full gospel starts at creation. God had the plan there, too. And so when you're telling the full gospel, it has to include, you know, God didn't create the world that we see today. He created a different world Mm -hmm. and everything. So I don't know. I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to kind of speak into creation, Adam and Eve, or you can take it a different direction. You don't have to, if something's like on the front of your mind and you want to say, I'd kind of like to talk about this, let's do that. Yeah, I think Genesis um, is the first part of the sandwich cookie. It's kind of like, the Bible's kind of like an Oreo in a way. If you have a leather bound black Bible, it's really like an Oreo because the inside's white. Yeah. Um, by but, the way, meet Pastor Nate, <laughs> our youth pastor. He's going to be full of those uh, little yeah. puns and jokes. <laughs> but I think that the beginning, when you look at Genesis and Revelation back to back, they are there's initial judgment for um, stepping outside of God's boundaries. And then there's the ultimate judgment for people who are still outside of God's boundaries by the end of the of the Bible. In the middle, you've got this, this creamy filling of here's what God's doing about it. And uh, you have to start at the other to figure out why is God doing something about it? Why is Jesus dying? Why is, why is all of this happening? And, and that's what's really neat about Genesis is just that start off to here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's the start over. It's this, uh, you could also look at those two pieces of the sandwich cookie as being the garden of Eden on both ends. Here's the beginning perfection. Here's the ending perfection. And here's everything that's happening in between for God to get back there. Too many of us want to stay just in the, creamy filling of the the niceties of things Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And there's so much, there's so much more in scripture other than just a few chapters that you can cherry pick here and there. It's, it's this huge plan to save us and to pull us back from ourselves and what we've chosen to do. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good analogy to the way to look at it. I know that when I first was telling some people in the congregation that we were going to go into the book of Genesis I remember that glazed over look they had like, oh, an Old Testament book, you know, and and I, I got where they were coming from. That was not a foreign thing for them to look at me like that. But since then, several of those people have come back to me and said, I was wrong. I didn't tell you at the beginning when you said you were going into Genesis. And I said, well, I was kind of thinking to myself, your face told me, but I was you I didn't tell you at the beginning that I was thinking, oh, no, Genesis, but now, I was wrong. This is rich, rich stuff. It's a mindset in the church in general. Like there, there's so many churches that call themselves. People say, I go to a New Testament grace-filled church and everything. And they and like what, a New Testament church, what is that? You mean where just some random guy pops on the scene that hasn't been prophesied 300 times in the Old Testament as the Messiah? See that you can't take the two and separate them. Right. Yeah, I think part of it too, you know, often we think of something like Genesis in terms of Bible reading plans. And I'm going to kick off the year, Genesis 1, January 1st, and, you know, I only make it through a certain amount of time before I get lost in, 
maybe Leviticus or something like that. But uh, instead, we need to think that this is the beginning of not just the story of Scripture, this is the beginning of our story, too, and the story of God's plan, not just in history, not just in kind of characters of the Old Testament we know, but really even when we think through how people often break out uh, the theme of Scripture, of the story of Scripture, and creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, we get two out of four in three chapters in Genesis. You know, So we get creation, we get fall, and the rest of the story is beginning to tell those last two parts. But that also means that our understanding of creation, God's good intention, His good created order, how things should be, our introduction of sin and the fall into that is going to be vital for knowing the rest of the story and what that means for us as believers, not just history, but how God's called us to live and what he's doing for us. Yeah. And if you didn't think that it was God trying to start off our story too, just think about the fact that he named the first guy Adam, which means man. So anybody can put themselves in that situation, especially Adam here. Yeah, yeah. I believe I've, I've never heard any sort of jokes about that when I was growing up. You know, so. sure. <laughs> uh, he's pretty adamant about that. Yeah, firstborn son over here named Adam. It was good call. Well, you know, uh, when I first jumped in, I knew that the book of Genesis chapters 1 through 11 really held the kind of the foundation of the rest of the story. And I have said several times in my messages that um, when we get to Genesis 12, we'll pick up pace. And it's funny to me because we were doing like half chapters up until chapter 11. And I guess the pick up pace is now we might be able to do a chapter a week. So it is a little bit of a pick up pace. It was a little faster. <laughs> I thought you were going to walk faster back and forth on the platform. I thought that's what you meant the whole time because I haven't seen anything pick up story wise. Well, maybe if I pick up the pace in my in my steps, but also in my words, maybe I can talk faster and we can get a little increase word count. But it, it really is interesting though, because you know Genesis <laughs> one through eleven, it's this big picture. It's the kind of big story of God and what He's doing. And then starting in verse twelve, we narrow down to a family, and then start tracing individual families and people and mm-hmm. they're that they're coming from them. It's a significantly different approach, but it's also important because. It's how God is beginning uh, his plans and how he is going to bring about the fulfillment of what he's promised us in the beginning. And that is, he created us good, sin was introduced, the fall happened. But even in that fall, and just as 3.15, one of my favorite passages or, or, or scripture, is that from that very beginning point, he promised, you can't fix this, but I can and starting even in Abraham and the stories we see going forward in Genesis is his beginning work of seeing that happen and bringing the bringing the one who would crush the serpent on our behalf. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I know that when I first started uh, kind of pulling into this, I really didn't know where to start. Um, and uh, I came to you, Adam, and said, hey, you got anything on the book of Genesis? And uh, many of you may not know that Adam has an extensive library in his office, that small little four-by-four four room that he's in. <laughs> that's right. Well, when but, you keep and, adding bookshelves, it's going to get to four-by-four four Well, that's kind of where I was going with that. And uh, he had several books on that. But Fifty trees died in the making of this library. <laughs> um, I get uh, the awesome opportunity to occasionally talk to Pastor Jackson, the former pastor here at Peninsula. Um, who still attends. He's serving in an interim position right now, but he still attends. And and I was walking out into the parking lot with him one time, and I said, I feel God's calling us in the book of Genesis. I don't know where to start. And he said, I got a book for you. And he brought me a book. And the biggest thing that I loved about that book was a bibliography that I could pull in and look at resources that I trusted 
because there's a lot of books out there that write crazy things about the book of Genesis. And, and I can decipher a lot of it, you know, cause I've been studying the Bible for a few years, but um, you know, just saying some of these outside the box type discussions that mm-hmm. you can have about the book of Genesis, I wanted to hold it to, this is what the word says. This is, you know, cause there are a lot of theories. There are a lot of theories about is, creation and, this is why we never had a full sermon on uh, the connection between Noah's son Ham and what he did and the Jews not being able to eat ham. Because there's some really out-of-the-box theories that, you know, just aren't Sometimes when things. you're talking, I can't tell if you're joking or if that's <laughs> oh, a real oh theory. My, we're <laughs> yeah, that's not a real we're tracking, seeing where this I is going. I made that theory up on the spot right now. <laughs> that, was, that was quite nice. Yeah, that was quite the land nice. of milk and honey glazed ham. So. But I would say, too, for... Every single member of our church family, when we're talking about studying scripture together, I think that that is part of the intimidation factor and why it's difficult to jump into a book like Genesis or um, other parts of the Old Testament, Isaiah, other prophets and things like that, because we feel like there's some things in here I just don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I would just want to encourage us that just like we do, there are good resources that are incredibly accessible that are beneficial. They're mm-hmm. not 700 pages on the first couple of chapters of Genesis, but they are easy to use and will help us understand. So I think there is certainly a place that when we think through our doctrine of scripture, that the spirit is going to, uh, what we say, he illuminates it for us. He allows us to understand, but he can also do that through allowing us to utilize faithful and um, just well-trained, well-studied authors who are going to help us in understanding our scripture. So I just encourage all of us as we think through reading books of the Bible, as we work through uh, scripture texts, it's good to find other people to help us understanding. We don't have to do it on our own. Absolutely. Yeah. So you think about somebody that's getting ready to step into the new year and they make a commitment kind of like a new year's resolution. I'm going to read through the Bible. And, and I think most people's experience is um, if they're one of those committed type people, they may read all the way through it, but they tend to get to the names that are mentioned, mm-hmm. which um, I'm having fun with trying to uh, pronounce each time I'm reading it. Og from Bashan. Yes, thank you. Yeah, there you go. And most people will skip that and glaze over it. But if you get some of those commentaries and you study mm-hmm. into it, you start learning, oh, that name means something. It's kind of telling the story. Too. So, yes, the Bible and studying the Bible is for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not just for right. seminary trained people. And we want you to know you can you can start off the new year with a simpler goal than that. You can just try to get through Genesis in one year. That's what we're trying to do yeah, as a church right, right now. Or maybe <laughs> uh, I'm telling you the T-shirts Genesis for eternity. <laughs> so when let me finally shift gears to Exodus. It, it, Exodus means a way out. It's the only way out of the series is getting to Exodus. I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. The coolest thing about the Book of Genesis when you, when somebody says, you know, what's the coolest thing that kind of like makes you go, ah, oh, that's just really kind of cool about the Book of Genesis. I'm putting you guys on the spot on that. But what what would you say? They're both they're both looking leaning towards the microphone. Yeah, well, I'll jump in first. I'm going to repeat part of what I said earlier, and that is, from the very beginning, God created it was good, and I'm going to go back again and again to His promise in Genesis three fifteen that from the very beginning, in the initial part of what we call the fall and God pronouncing judgment over sin is that he's already promising grace and a means of bringing redemption for his people. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
that one verse ties in while we read the rest of the story, because if not, it's just going to be sin and sin and sin and brokenness and all that comes from that. And we're not going to be able to fix it. The people of Israel would not have been able to fix it. The Old Testament people, in fact, we see again and again that they see God work in incredible ways. And so quickly afterward, they forget and they are back to pursuing and frustration and doubting God's goodness toward them. So if it was not for that initial promise that God promised that there would be one who was going to come, he uses that phrase offspring or seed, it says there is going to be one who's going to come from the uh, from Eve, from this line, who's going to defeat the enemy on our behalf. And I think that that promise is what gives us hope to read the rest of it. So probably for me, that's going to be the one verse in Genesis I'm going to go back to again and again. Well, this is a loaded question because there's so many cool things. My first thing is like, what is what passage would I want to just jump into and dive into and study further and flesh it all the way out? Or what character um, sticks out to me or, or something really deep, you know, like one of the deepest parts of the entire book of Genesis is the flood. It was deep enough to take care of cleansing the whole world. If you I know you would use that there. Flood so, deep. No, I, um, I saw that one coming. <laughs> I would say though, I would say prior to Genesis three fifteen, um, Gen- which is what the answer would have been if Adam hadn't stole it from me. Uh, is, why I went first. is Genesis 1-2 that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved across the waters um, or hovered across the waters or was pondering the idea there that um, he didn't come up with a plan after people fell. His whole mm-hmm. purpose plan, everything for creation was already in place. And even right before he would continue his creative acts and say, let there be light, he was thinking about what he would do. And he spoke it, and the New Testament tells us in the book of John that, that the word is, is Jesus. So um, the Spirit of God pondering there, God saying, the actual saying being Jesus, the Trinity being present in the beginning, and the thoughts towards us being present in the beginning is huge to me because the next time um, he would be pondering over what, what, would be do, what he would be doing towards um, towards us in the garden <laughs> um, was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane thinking about actually going through with the plan that he was thinking about while he's hovering over the waters and um, deciding that we're worth it to him. I don't know why I'm worth it to him, but some, for some reason we are. And maybe you're listening and you, you don't, you feel insignificant or you feel like I could never sit in a room and have any comments on Genesis or anything. When you think about the price that is paid for something, that's the value that that thing holds. And the price that was paid for you was Jesus. And so you hold incredible value and worth to him. Yeah. And that's amazing. And both of you guys are leaning back into the gospel presentation that's present. And that brings me back to, I believe God's taken us through the book of Genesis as a congregation because of context. Mm -hmm. So when you're sharing the gospel with someone, they're coming to the table with their context of what they understand, and they could be totally out of the loop and never heard Scripture before. If you just begin with there was this man named Jesus that died for you, it's not going to necessarily fit their context. Mm -hmm. So you have to speak into their context with the true context that's you know cultural influence and cultural conditioning kind of removes the spiritual context out of people's lives but we can bring them back now to the full context the context is god created a perfect world and sin entered in 
And then you can start speaking into their lives. Do you feel like everything in the world is perfect? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, they're going to say no, um, you know, unless they live on some island somewhere and and it is perfect for them in their mind. But until hurricane season. Yeah, right. <laughs> see, so see, even though perfection is not going to be there for them. But also so. because they don't have a lot of there's we're going to meet more and more people who don't have a kind of background in the beginning story of scripture. So when we would previously maybe be able to start with the coming of Jesus and his plan of bringing forgiveness, uh, that assumed some things that they knew about what had happened before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. not a couple right. years ago, I was actually talking with a guy who was uh, working at a coffee shop there in Sumter, South Carolina. So think like heart of Bible Belt area here. And we were talking through what we were going through as a church and mentioned some of the uh, figures and people in the Old Testament, he had zero idea who any of these people were. Mm. And so to begin kind of halfway, at least minimum, through the story is going to leave people at a loss, and they don't really know what we're talking about. And so I think particularly right. where we're at today, we have to emphasize going back to the beginning of that story, yeah. of our story. It's- Absolutely. If we don't, If we don't know what he's coming to fix, then we assume that the problems we have in life, the natural disasters, the sickness and everything. Maybe Jesus is coming to do away with all those things because those are the things that get us down. But he was actually coming to take care of something that came against him and not something that just comes against us. We're the ones who came against him. And that sin has set up a barrier between us and him. And he's, he's come to knock it down and um, to free us from that. And that's, that's only it's only understood if you see humanity being at the root cause of sin in the first place and in our choices. But also that God is creator. He, everything we see around us, it did, and it was purposeful. Uh, it was intended. It was designed. It was thought out and it was created. One of my favorite kind of theological phrases is created ex nihilo out of nothing. And recently we were in one of our equipped classes on Sunday night, talking through the difference in God is creator in us. We can be creative you know, I can make things. Our kids are creative in the way they design. Ashley and I were talking recently about people who are just extremely gifted. Is I gave them the on one Sunday night an example of we have this little spot in our house where we want a table, kind of when entryway when you walk in, and nothing we can find fits it. And then we were watching the show together. And they had the same problem. And the guy was like, oh, I'll just build one. And he starts welding and, you know, getting the wood and doing all these things. This guy's extremely creative. I wish I could do that. But at the end of the day, he has to have the wood. He has to have the materials. Mm-hmm. He can be creative, but he can't create out of nothing. And for us, I think going back to knowing what happened at the beginning is for people to know that from nothing, out of formless, you know, the the, the world was formless and uh with void and all this sort of, you know, and to, for God to say that he just spoke into existence everything we see around us. And so I think that's an incredibly part, important part of the story for us to be able to continually help people understand. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And so leaning into the book of Genesis, um, uh, let's let's uh, kind of end it on kind of a little bit of a lighter note here. Predictions, <laughs> put predictions out there where God's going to have us uh, at the end of. <laughs> When, uh, let's put a date out there. When do you think? Oh, we're I thought you meant like what's going to happen. I think Joseph's going to die, and eventually they'll bring his bones back. But oh, you've read ahead. Yeah. He's going to go to Egypt. There's going to be some. That's things a spoiler. Sorry. Yes. Uh, prediction on when you think we might end the Book of Genesis. How many more months? Let's do it that way. How many more months you think we're going to be in the 
book of Genesis. Right now we're on, we're going into chapter 15. It depends. 15. It depends. If Jesus returns, will he let you continue the sermon series in heaven? <laughs> good one. Good one. <laughs> Genesis for eternity. That's nice. See, there's another support for that teacher. So, so we're sorry, 15. Beginning. So we've got 35, 36 chapters left. Hey, what do you say? I was told that we'd really pick up speed at chapter 12 <laughs> and that didn't happen. So, um, I honestly, the um, narrative wise, everything's going to flow from here, which actually makes it more in, in some ways more intriguing as a story because you don't have to like, and then hundreds of years may have passed and then this happened or this one guy in the genealogy is still alive from this time period. Isn't that amazing? It's like, this is the grandson of Abraham now, or this is the, yeah. you know, great grandson. We're just so going to go through give one, you a little bit of a one family. We are going to start taking narrative passages. Mm-hmm. So uh, there will be a few Sundays where the whole narrative might cover two, maybe three chapters to know the whole story. And I'm still debating in my own mind, are we going to read all three chapters in that message, <laughs> or am I going to just highlight some verses? Probably highlight some verses because... Um, you know, the message could be two hours long at that point, but, um, uh, yeah, there's so much, there's so much to do. I, I really have a, an, an idea when we get to Jacob and Esau, I think we tell everybody not to have breakfast that morning, let everybody come in hungry. And then we just waft in the smell of stew, you know, just let it really stew there for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Let it resonate. It'll, uh, be, it'll be a bit. It'll uh, be a bit. I'll, I'll shoot for the end of 2022. Um, you know, which is which is great, you know. I think sometimes, you know, we do we joke about it. We all joke about it around here, but really, there there's so much in the story. There's so much for us to know, for us to be encouraged by, for us to see how God's working. And I'm also just doing math. We've made it through 14 chapters yeah. or so in eight months, so I'll give us eight months to if, knock out the last 36. If you don't know, if you're listening right now and you don't know how to knit, how to knit, if you learn how to knit and begin knitting a coat of many colors. You should have it done by the time we get to the story of Joseph. Yeah, that's right. So that's good. If you already know how to knit, you're gonna you're gonna have yours done way in advance. <laughs> Nobody knows exactly how to do that. Well, you know what I do is I, I try to God, where do you want us? Where do you want us? Um, and sometimes I will go into preparing a message, and I'm thinking it's going to be only a few verses, and mm-hmm. God takes us into twenty verses. Um, or I might go in and say, hey, I think we can probably, this narrative covers a chapter and a half. I think we can do that. And he stops me on the first verse, and I can't get past it. And so um, the thing that I'm, I'm hoping that everyone's appreciating is the fact that as I'm growing, as I'm learning, as I am learning application to the book of Genesis in my life, I'm bringing that to the message on Sunday morning And so a lot of, honestly, a lot of what I'm saying on Sunday morning is something that rocked my world that week. And, you know, did you know this? Did you know that? Or can I remind you about this and remind you about that? Because I'm sure that there are people sitting in a congregation who have studied the book of Genesis longer than me and know a lot more than me. Um, So, but to have that reminder or maybe to look at it a little bit different angle, I think is is pretty enriching. The amazing thing is I could start back at Genesis 1 this Sunday and preach a whole new slew of messages that wouldn't even sound like the first messages that I spoke. It's true. And and something that just hit me very interesting about this podcast, you're listening to like a 30-minute-ish podcast right now, 
And um, the two verses we actually quoted, Genesis 3.15 and Genesis 1.2, were the only two verses I used the very first message of Genesis. So you think about the amount of stuff you can talk about <laughs> around this book is phenomenal. I mean, it could go on forever. We could be the Genesis church and you come to the Genesis church and you hear about Genesis. It's a year round thing. We do it every year yeah. and uh, we never get through it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys helping out with this podcast and this episode today. I, I, I want to kind of start here and say that in some episodes to come, if there is a particular uh, text that you know I hit on, but there's other things that need to come out of it. I want us to come back to the recording and talk about it, so people can come in and go, "Okay, I heard that message on you know Genesis whatever, but I didn't realize there was more to it." Because when there's four or five different ways I can take a particular passage, I spend a greater part of the week praying on God. What do you want us to hear this week? What what is it that which part of this do you want to shine out and that we will walk away from the message with? But there's so much there, so much more there. I'm hoping that's what everybody's getting mm-hmm. out of this. There's way more there than we're able to cover on Sunday mornings. And um, maybe uh, we'll get through the book of Genesis by the end of this year, maybe before <laughs> then, I don't know, but we're going to let God walk us through it. And uh if you guys out there are listening and you would like some good resources on uh, uh, the book of Genesis, I've got a couple commentaries that I always go to. So last thing, what is your guys, your automatic starting point go to where obviously, okay, that was kind of unfair. You're going to say the Bible. Okay. I'm going to steal that one from you because you can't use that one. But after you read a particular text that you're going to be speaking on, what is your resource go-to that you start with? Honestly, you told me we couldn't say the Bible, but it's, I immediately go to another translation of the Bible. Okay. So another translation. I usually go about four translations in starting with ESV, NASB, I look at NIV, um, NLT, sometimes New King James. I just want to see the different perspectives before I dive in and know what I'm looking for. Where have all these translators come from to get this particular verse or passage, the wording, the way that it's worded? Um, not be, um, There's obviously different ways of taking the wording and bringing that to people. And then I go into the commentary zone, <laughs> start looking into those things. I use a, a program called Logos. And so sometimes it's not the same ones that it's pulling up when I'm searching it. So I don't think I grab a specific book off the shelf um, other than a f- I like to have some open Bibles in front of me rather than just a parallel. Um, a lot of those are study Bibles. So I do end up finding out what MacArthur or Ryrie or something like that says to it. So since Nate took the Bible, uh, I'll go with a few other resources. And I actually... It was off limits anyway, so... I am I'm toward the top or toward the oldest end of, I guess, the millennial age, but I am not the digital version. I love print books, and that's what I use the most. But there are a few really good and helpful ones. If really any sort of book of the Bible, if you're going to look through an incredibly good, deep, but very accessible resource, I would recommend is something called Christ-Centered Exposition. It's a series through different books of the Bible. They're put together. They're essentially commentaries, but they're very devotional commentaries that are aimed at helping us not only understand what that text is saying, but also how it fits into the overall story of God and His 
redemption in his our salvation in Jesus. And so it's going to be emphasized on helping us know what that text is saying, but also how it is telling us of the coming of Christ and our salvation in him. It's a really good uh, resource. Yeah, and one of the reasons I like that resource, too, is because it's not written by one yep. team. They actually go out into the professionals and say, hey, we're going to do a book on Genesis or a book on John, and we want you to research it and come back to us with information. So there's a lot of different authors that write through that. There are. They're really good authors, and they're they're gifted thinkers, but they're almost all also exclusively pastors, too. So they're also concerned with not only knowing what the text is saying, but also making it accessible and communicating well. for the people. Yeah, yeah. It's very absolutely. accessible, especially since my office key opens Adam's office as well. Yeah, it's very accessible. And so by what we mean by accessible is it's easy to understand. Absolutely. <laughs> Not that you can take it out of my office, although if you really ask kindly, <laughs> you might could borrow. Yeah, if, if you're listening and you do go to Peninsula, um, you should ask Adam to see his office. If, you, if you've ever heard the phrase death by a thousand paper cuts, that's just a small earthquake in Adam's office. Yeah, that's right. That's where that comes from. Well, listen, guys, I appreciate you both. Um, and there have been times where I've said, hey, here's what I'm struggling with with this particular text. And you're able to very quickly give me your take on the text and then maybe even offer some suggestions of things I need to read. And that's valuable to me. I think uh, Peninsula is incredibly blessed with the pastoral staff that's here. And uh, I'm enriched every week that I work with you guys. And I appreciate it. Appreciate you being here today. And um, no problem. This has been episode one of Where Did Cain Get His Wife? Yes. I'm there, just kidding. There we go. There's those questions <laughs> that pop out there and everything. And so some of you guys know how to pray for me now because you see what I'm working with. <laughs> it's fun. I, I love it. And uh, thanks for uh, uh, tuning in today. Hope you were enriched by this. There'll be more in the days to come with other people as part of the podcast and then more discussions around the Bible uh, in the days to come too. So thank you for joining in today. Thank you, Nate, for being here. Thank you, Adam, for being here. And uh, we will uh, hope to see you guys soon. Take care.